It's time once again for another episode of Business Authority Radio. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here are your show hosts, Craig Williams and Neil Howe. Yes, sir. We're here. We're here at the bar. Yep, we're at the bar. We've got a spotlight show today. We've yeah. got one very special guest. Mr. James B. Griffin from James B. Griffin, LLC. And he's not any kind of lawyer. He's a specialist. He's an expert. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to get right into that. Uh, who he serves, how he does it, why he does it. We want to talk about that why, too, today. So... uh Mr. James, we thank you for sh- uh, sharing uh, this time with us at the bar, uh, brought to you by Global Authority Agency. And uh, let's go right into it. Uh, who do you serve, and what is your fo- focus, your, your perfect prospect? Ah, well, my, my practice is focused on estate planning, and estate planning I call preventive medicine. And preventive medicine is all about making sure that when you're gone, your children still want to speak to each other. <laughs> and if you plan it, you have to count your blessings, figure out what your assets are, and then assign them as they should be assigned very carefully. And then you need to make sure you also appoint people to be executors of the estate, trustees, if necessary. And that way they're trustworthy people and they get it done and they get it done right and they get it done with integrity. And if you do that, then you've left a gift that keeps on giving. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, so you, you talked about uh, you're an estate planner, but who is it exactly that you help? Uh, is it a specific age group of people or somebody that um, has an event in their life maybe that says, okay, now is the time I need an estate planner? Well, the, uh, the, pers- the people I help are the people who have that revelation that they're mortal. And so um, this week I'm going to meet a, a young family. They're in their 30s, and they've got a, a small child, and they want to do this and do this right, and they're getting started. And then uh, actually uh, tomorrow I'm going to meet a widow who's uh, quite aged but wants to make sure uh, everything's done right. But the people who tend to call me are small business owners, and they often own a business. They often own a residential property. They sometimes own a a vacation property, uh, sometimes some investment property, uh, in particular timber. I'm a timber landowner myself, mm, okay. and so uh, as a result, sometimes people find me who, who are interested in timber. So, uh, but the key is that they've got assets that they want to make sure don't get stuck in probate court because let's just say you own a fairly valuable piece of real estate and you have four heirs. And, I mean, there are all kinds of ways that can get stuck. But if you do it right, it goes straight through. So that's what we want to do. Excellent. Well, you know, what are some of the common problems that people have when, they, when they're calling you? What, what are their main things that they're focused on that you help them solve? Well, the, the main thing is that they're worried. They're worried about what their children are going to do when they're gone. Mm-hmm. So, and these are all big decisions. So you first make the big decision to get married. So you take the plunge, and then you have a child. And then after you have a child, then as your child matures, you realize that 
not only is that child going to outlive you, but you want to make sure you can do everything you can for that child before you're gone, et cetera. And so it's a big step to do estate planning. It's an investment. You've got to think things through. Right. And, but the pain is usually caused by illness or death of someone. Mm. So I recently did an estate plan where a man who was in his 30s just died of a heart attack. And all of a sudden, every, every mom on that street was telling their relatively young husbands that they needed estate planning. Yeah. And so that drives it. Another time, it's when your own parents are ailing. So one, you check out their estate plan, make sure it's done right. And then sometimes they're okay. And then while you're thinking about it, you say, oh, I need to call somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a psychology involved with that. And that's probably the most interesting part of it. Most people do not die with wills. And some of them are quite wealthy. There are four U.S. presidents who died without wills. Andrew Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, U.S. Grant, and James Garfield. And three of them were lawyers. Wow. So So, so what what happens in that circumstance? Procrastination. And I think it's usually a psychological hitch. There's there's an estranged son, and you're hoping you'll reconcile before you do your estate plan. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about cutting them out of the will, but you can't have – you just – don't think you can do it either. Or maybe you did cut him out of the will or thought about it. Whatever, you've, you're, you're, you're estranged. Or there's a broken relationship. So, for instance, people who are divorced have a real hard time doing estate planning mm-hmm. because hope springs eternal, and they're thinking, well, maybe I'll get married again. Yeah. And, of course, as soon as you get married, you've got to do another estate plan. So they procrastinate for that reason. There's another one that's failed expectations. Most of us, by the time we hit 40-something, we once dreamed of being a whatever, and we might not be a whatever. We might be fabulously successful, but we're not what we thought we were supposed to be. And so as a result, to sit down and write an estate plan and realize that I might not have everything or have done everything I thought I ought to do. And so we said, well, give it another five years and I'll do it. Well, it's a, and it's a living document, correct? I mean, you can always change it. Oh, you can change it. Yeah. You can it, change it. And the challenge is to get people to start on that living document. Start. To start. Start. So having said that, most experts and, and, and um, authorities that we have in here have some type of matrix or system or the, the three pillars or the four mm-hmm. steps and all that. Now, I understand you have the 12 ugly mistakes that must have. <laughs> that you must avoid in estate planning, and that speaks to the pain, which right. usually gets our attention, like yes, you were mentioning. Does. Just does. So. you mind sharing any of those with us, or is there? Well, the most expensive mistake you can make is to have no estate plan mm. because you don't know what's going to happen, and you don't know who's going to administer your estate. Whoever is going to administer your estate has to generally live in that state, mm. and maybe your most successful child lives out of state, and there you are, you die without a will. And then the son who's had the most trouble and been married three or four times or whatever and, and doesn't have a nickel to his name, he's the one who has to be administer, gotcha. administrator of the state. So you don't want to make that mistake. Get something down. Okay. So that's the first one. Two, you need to be coldly honest about what your own relatives can do. So there's a sentiment, which is like the oldest one should be the executor. Well, that might work, and it might not, might so not. don't don't stick too hard with that. A third one is that um, you assume that your children are going to get along because they always have. Mm. But people misbehave when somebody dies, and most people to – well, not most, but a lot of people are passive-aggressive. Mm-hmm. And when they lose a parent, just 
funny things happen. There's a temporary mm-hmm. insanity, yeah, and they'll do crazy things, and and a lot of bad things happen. So you want to be very careful about assume that if they can fight over something, they will. Yeah, when it comes to money, I mean, that's probably the number one thing that people fight over. Right. So and it's also sentiment. So, yeah. for instance, um, here's one. If, if you have a gigantic diamond ring and you have two daughters, mm-hmm. then I won't say it's automatic, but you need to very seriously consider selling it before you die mm-hmm. because there has been estate litigation over a diamond ring. And there might have been plenty in that estate, but somebody felt slighted and that never spoke to sister ever again. Gotcha. Yeah. And so you have to assume that, that your children will misbehave, and if you assume that, then you'll have a bulletproof plan. So is it possible to have that in the estate planning or the will to sell all those goods and divvy up the money as opposed to the property that kind of, you know... You can order in your estate plan everything Anything to be you liquidated. Gotcha. You can do that. now Because you just said, I heard you say, you know, you need to sell it before you die. So well, if you know when you're going to die, <laughs> that works out. Well, <laughs> you could, you could yeah. specifically tell the executor yeah. that this diamond ring needs to be sold, and it needs to be sold, and it needs to be split four ways or whatever. Gotcha. And if somebody wants to take the proceeds and go buy themselves a piece of jewelry, fine. But don't have your kids fight over something that can't be divided. Yeah. Okay, so you said that most people don't have a will when they die. Mm-hmm. And that if they don't have a will, correct me if I'm wrong, if they don't have a will, it goes to the oldest child? To well, um, not necessarily. Here's, here's what we're talking about is something called intestate succession. Okay. Intestate succession is a fancy legal word, which means you don't have a testament. You don't have a will. Mm-hmm. So when you're intestate, then somebody has to request the probate court to appoint them to be the administrator. Mm. Right. And they have to get bonded for the value of the estate. Wow. And some people aren't bondable. Yeah. And then it's according to the law of the state. So, for instance, if there's a widow without children, that's easy. If there's an orphan without a parent, that's easy, a single orphan. But if there are three children, three half-brothers, and a couple stepchildren, then the law will tell who gets what, and some people are going to be disappointed because it's based on degree of kinship and all that other good stuff. Yeah. So you don't want to do that, and it just puts everybody in an odd situation, and it puts them in a situation. Here's my favorite. People won't do a will because they say they don't trust lawyers. Uh-huh. Well, if you... If you will trust a lawyer to do your estate plan, then your heirs don't have to go find a lawyer in a real big to hurry get it done. to get it done After and get, you're gone. Yeah, and get yeah. charged a lot, a lot more money. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so you—it is preventive medicine. You just want to do it preventive medicine. He's a physician, man. That's why they say they practice law, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's a practice. It's a practice, yeah. man. We try. Yeah. We try. So as far as uh, the executor, who would be the executor? Is that your job as the estate planner, or does that go to somebody else? Everything is the, um, everything is the choice of the person who writes the will. So I advise them, but in the end, they make their choices because uh, I represent them, mm-hmm. but at the end, I do what they say to do. Now, 
if they ask me to do something illegal, I have to say I can't do it, and I might have to resign as counsel, mm-hmm. you know, if they push that envelope. But just the same, um, they choose the executor. And so, again, you'd go through your relatives. In some cases, they'll take somebody outside, um, and even in some cases a professional. They'll, you know, ask a lawyer to be the executor or something. That's usually for a large estate. Mm-hmm. Most, most people are going to get blood kin, and you're looking for that relative who's responsible, always has been responsible, is not perpetually broke, and, uh, and is respected by the siblings to do the right job. As a subject matter expert, uh, how do you get the word out uh, to, that speaks to your credibility these days? Probably the most important thing is you connect to people who are um, they are likely to be the sort of people who are your clients or or know your clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think um, parachuting into somebody's house saying I'm a I'm a any type of professional is the way to do it. I have found, for instance, I, I do a newsletter, and the newsletter goes to current clients and old friends and people I do business with, and they're often the people who uh, who want to find me. Yeah, don't underestimate the intuition of people out there. So, for instance, I do video, and I've got oh, a goodly number of videos up, and so what happens is that people go on the web, they'll see stuff I wrote. They'll see stuff on video, or they'll see podcasts and things like that. And they'll call me up, and I'm, I can tell that they picked me because their intuition said, that guy's my lawyer. Yeah. And choosing a lawyer is very intuitive because there's so much technical stuff. I mean, you can razzle and dazzle with technical stuff to some extent. But for the most part, people go with their gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And But I've had people call me up. One lady a few weeks ago she called me two or three times and left messages, and then she emailed me a couple times. And I was very busy. I, I, I was not. Obviously. And, and so, but I was so busy, and I just had to, I had to pick up the phone and make an appointment with her. And, and she just said, oh, I, I, I just know that you can help me. Mm-hmm. And so I made the appointment, and after we got to visiting, it turns out that she knows my sister. Well, there you go. Wow. And and she really likes my sister. So mm-hmm. somehow, intuitively, she figured out, we like this family. Okay. Yeah. Now, here's a good thing, too. You don't have to be everybody's lawyer. Mm-hmm. You just don't have to well, do it. Well, you can't, right. effectively. No, you can't, and because it is a personal relationship. So there are people who look at me and say, I don't want him to be my lawyer. No, I don't want that. And that's okay, because we're just trying to do the right job for the people who match you know we match up with because there's a lot of in, there's a lot of intuition in this mm-hmm. and there's uh and, and you're counseling people about their intimate relations i mean to put it bluntly i had a professor in law school who said that you'll love probate law because it's about uh, money sex and death <laughs> so uh but if you're talking money sex and death then people are are not going to just they're not going to open up to just anybody yeah now, you, you talked earlier about uh, maybe a misconception is people don't trust lawyers. But you're saying that basically people have to trust you on some level in order to pick you. Correct. Um, and what what do you do in order to position yourself in that place of trust? Is it just being familiar with putting videos out and content? I think it's the familiarity. I think it's in serving the clients that uh, that you serve. I think in in the other areas of practice or the things you do in charity. I think people really respect that. I've found that if people presume that lawyers are just a bunch of money grubbers and all they want to do is get a retainer, 
and yet they see that you're involved with, uh, say, mental health, mm-hmm. or you're involved in Habitat for Humanity or something like that. And, uh, and I don't do those things because I'm looking for clients. I do those things because they're the right thing to do. And when people see that you do the right things for the right reasons, that's where the trust comes. Mm-hmm. If they think you're all business and that you work seven days a week and, and the only thing you can possibly think about is, is the technicalities of your profession, that's a turnoff to most. Uh, actually, that's a turnoff to just about everybody but workaholics. Workaholics might like that. Yeah. But most of us are not workaholics. Yeah. So. You just work long hours. We we work because you have to. You have to to do the job right. You have to you have to keep at it until it's done right. You gotcha. can't just say, "Okay, I got two hours. I'm done." Okay, sign here. That's not really the way to do it. What are some of the misconceptions when it comes to um, people knowing you have to get paid? I mean, what are the misconceptions of an estate plan? Do mm. do they feel that you're going to take a part of the estate for your payment, or how does that work? Well, the it's it is done to do a percentage of the estate and the folks who tend to do that are the larger firms in their large estates and i have not done that in my practice i have found that generally people come to me and i need to talk to them without a uh, a pre-packaged product so to speak yeah and what i'll do after they tell me their situation is i'll evaluate the risks involved for them and and I'll also evaluate just how much trouble it's going to be for me and my staff to get everything done right. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do is quote a range. I'll mm-hmm. say, well, you know, to do this costs eighteen hundred to oh, say four thousand uh. dollars. And um, and in your case, I think it's going to be on the low side. Yeah. And they like a range because nobody wants to get in a taxi cab in New York City with a guy who doesn't know what he's doing, mm-hmm. and he's driving you all around Manhattan and the, the meters, the, running. meters running, yeah. and then at the end he says, okay, well, before you sign this, this is going to be you know $88,000 or something, and that's yeah. just not where people want to be led. Yeah. So I think to be real square with him and say this is what we do. And, of course, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's pretty sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And if it's really sophisticated, you generally have a more sophisticated client. So if you say, okay, we're going to create a, um, an, estate, an estate planning gizmo, uh, you know, some type of really fancy living trust, or say it's a large business and there's a, a business succession plan that needs to be done. Well, that's, that's a bunch of moving parts. Yeah. People who do that know that that's not that's – not, uh, well, that's not uh, – a la carte lawyering right there. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a, a sophisticated thing to do. But I think because I'll tell them a price range, and then I'll usually say what my retainer is, and my retainer is usually the majority. It's, it's a, usually around what the bottom end of that price range is. And that way I get started. I don't have to send them a monthly bill. I can get started, get their state plan done, in fact, a lot of times I will make a date to meet them. So say I'm, I'm meeting on the 16th of March with a new client, and I'll make an appointment for maybe 30 days later, roughly. Uh, often same time, just because they already have worked it out on the calendar. Okay, it's, it's whatever Wednesday afternoon. Those are good for me. Let's go do that. And so then I'll meet them, and then I'll have their documents ready. In most cases, I'll email the documents to them ahead of time so they get an idea of what's in them, et cetera. And, and sometimes there's some phone work, and sometimes my paralegal's on the phone with them, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. But that's, that's how we do it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people write their own will. 
they can go to LegalZoom. Mm-hmm. What are some of the mistakes that they make when they do this, and what are the benefits of working with a professional like yourself? Well, there are a few do-it-yourselfers, and I've I've had clients who actually did a do-it-yourself will that worked, mm-hmm. and uh, I have seen that happen. Usually, though, they have the fewest moving parts. In that case, she had an only child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's not a whole lot of risk. But if you've got the moving parts, then most of the time you're going to write all that stuff out. It comes time to sign it. And you're going to say, do I really need to be signing a legally binding document without advice? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, LegalZoom will offer to give you a 20-minute consultation with a lawyer, an hour consultation or whatever, and, and, and nothing against them. I mean, they, they do what they do. and uh, You get what you pay for it in yeah, most cases. right. And in some cases, if, if, if you truly need a completely stripped-down Chevrolet, mm-hmm. you're okay. But let's just say it's a second marriage. Let's just say you've got stepchildren that you've raised. Let's just say you've got your your own natural children as well. And let's say your spouse is 15 years younger. And let's just say you're on the threshold of, of maybe owing some estate taxes. Then you'd be nuts to, to just work off of somebody else's form. Mm-hmm. And one thing I can do for some people is some people will ask for an appointment. It's usually not on estate planning, it's, but it's usually more on estate administration. But sometimes, and they'll say, can I talk to you for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and I'll just charge them a flat fee, and we'll go through stuff. And then at the end, usually they're just very grateful because I cleared the air for them. Right. And sometimes they'll ask me to help them with something additional. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't recommend people sign stuff just straight off the Internet. I do recommend that they explore stuff on the Internet because a client who has been reading, I mean, there's good stuff written on NOLO and places like that. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll explain stuff, the jargon, what's intestate and what's an executor and what's a trust. And, oh, a personal representative and executor are the same thing. That's good to know. Okay. Right. So you can learn the jargon. So when you actually meet with a lawyer, it's not a one-way conversation. And so you want cooperative clients. You want clients who've taken the time to educate themselves. And you can tell. I mean, as a lawyer, when somebody calls you and they obviously have thought through stuff and then they ask questions about it, then that's a great place to be. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, when they call you up and they don't know any of the jargon, Mm-hmm. then you know that you're going to have to spend some time educating them if they're going to if you're going to be able to serve them. Right. Which you don't mind doing necessarily, but it's always easier when somebody's already jumped in and they're ready, they're ready for you to help them. So that's a more educated uh prospect or client. Now you said uh small business owners earlier about being one, you know, a good customer or client for you. Right. Uh, who would be your ideal client? Is there a certain uh, estate that they have to have in order for you to work with them? No, I've I've got a policy. My my mother she passed away almost five years ago, and and mom taught me the Old Testament. And they in the Old Testament they say take care of the widows and take care of the orphans. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when people call me up and and they need help, I try to figure out a way to help them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I don't have a I don't have a, a price threshold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what does happen, though, as far as your when you're 
when you're running a practice and you realize the sort of people that will make your practice work and be successful because of, of just their, uh, their interests, et cetera, for me, a small business owner whose wealth is somewhere approaching the, in the estate tax threshold, who owns real property, because I've got a real property background. Mm-hmm. So real property is something I can help them with. And so if there's a business and there's real property and there are children or grandchildren, then those are people who are, are great people to serve because you're going to be serving a lot and for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's in any, in any type of professional practice, you want people who, who are going to love you for a lot of reasons for a lot of years. And yeah. if, you can find, if you can find people t- for that and, and you can become, you can make yourself lovable. You can give them plenty to love by serving them and treating them the way they, they want to be treated, ought to be treated, then you've got great clients. And, and it, that's a sustainable fundamental. That is. I mean, that for is. business, and that's good for, big, good for business. Um, tell us how we get in contact with you. Well, I have um, a website called georgiawillsandestates.com. Mm-hmm. And the telephone number is 404-239-2661. Do you spell out Georgia or is it GA? It's GA. GA. GA Wills and Estates.com. That's one word. And that'll be on the show notes. Yes, it will. Excellent. Well, I've learned, learned a lot today, and uh, I'm maybe a client soon. I've got uh, seven kids. I've got four that are uh, from a previous marriage, mm-hmm. uh, one who we adopted as an orphan. So That's not that stripped-down <laughs> Cadillac or that Pontiac no, you got. Uh, no, any advice for me other than don't <laughs> go to legal Zoom? Uh, well, the main thing is you need good advice, and you need um, – because you, some of them are minor children, uh, mm-hmm. the hardest decision people have to make is the one about what to do if both mom and pop go down in the same plane crash. Mm. And the way we deal with that is something called an executory trust. So if one parent dies, everything goes to the other parent. But if both parent dies, you create a trust. You appoint a trustee, somebody who's very reliable with money, who handles and you funnel all your wealth and all your insurance benefits into that trust. And then with that trust, the trustee takes care of the money. And then in your will, you would nominate the custodial guardians for your children. Mm-hmm. So you separate the two because the person who's good with money might not have the greatest maternal instincts for these small children who, who gotcha. need you. So that is the, that's the fundamental of that type of estate planning and i've done a lot of that because that's the sort of estate planning that everybody needs regardless of wealth because even if you have almost no net worth but you've got yourself a half a million dollars worth of life insurance mm-hmm. and you you and your spouse both go down in the same plane crash then somebody's got to be in charge of that half million dollars and somebody's got to be in charge of your kids and the courts would really appreciate it if you would nominate a custodian for those children right otherwise the the relative that nobody likes is going to be jumping up and down saying i'm the one and that Mm -hmm. has to be a sole 
Could it be a couple? Or it could, could it be, be a couple. Right. Okay. Yeah, it could be a couple. But gotcha. you, you don't want to divide it. And you don't say half here and half there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah. And and courts do not like to divide families either. Yeah. So you, yeah. you, you want to get that spelled out. In fact, that's more important than any of the wealth and and numbers on that. The yeah. Taking care of the children. At the end of the day, that's that's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we definitely appreciate you, man, sharing your knowledge, your expertise, and all this experience. And we understand why people are beating your door down. Well, thank and, you. And uh, we, we encourage you to continue to be relevant. And, uh, folks, we, uh, we're glad that you, you joined us. And, Neil, you got some sending off words for us? Yeah, if you like what you hear, uh, hit the like button and share. And thanks for listening to us on Business Authority Radio. And like you said, always stay relevant. Thank you again for joining Craig Williams and Neil Howe along with their guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Business Authority Radio.